Hey everyone, and welcome to the Not So Sad Podcast. I'm Leilani. And I'm Brendan. And we are here to give you your weekly dose of fucking joy. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Not So Sad Podcast. Welcome home. So this is episode 7, and before I even say the topic, um, YouTube, we do not condone the use or sale or abuse of any substance, legal or illegal. We do not. Um, which is this uh, this this podcast uh, you know theme drugs for the record we apologize for any noisy neighbors or the cats and dogs or the children of ours as always man you know we don't have a studio like a lot of people we record this in our bedroom because uh, it's where we're comfortable bedroom living room. living room yes. yeah it's where we're comfortable um so yeah drugs um unfortunately as a young adult and teenager i dwindled a little too much into it myself i not so much i mean i did dabble a little bit you know but nothing like crazy for the most part i uh personally i am what they consider a poly addict which means um essentially i didn't care what it was as long as it got me high uh just searching for that feeling of numbness uh, just trying to escape my problems. Yeah. And, um, you know, addiction fucking sucks, man. And it's a hard fucking thing to break. And, um, excuse me. People who say marijuana is not a gateway drug or not addictive, I can somewhat agree on the non addictive side. Uh, but I will say, uh, you can't have a dependency on marijuana, personally. I smoked, I smoked pot from the age of 15 all the way up till I was about. 24. You were a stoner. I was a big stoner, man. <laughs> Shaggy hair, drug rugs, all that kind of stuff. Bun. Yeah, had the whole man bun going on, a lot of raves, you know. <laughs> you look like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but the reason I say this is because like the, the plant itself is not addictive. Um, what makes it addictive and what you can depend on is the large amount of dopamine it releases in the brain. And that's also what can cause developmental harm in somebody under the age of 25 who does smoke marijuana. Yes, and uh, for the record, we, we felt like this was really important because drugs have such a negative effect on your mentality or, or even alcohol, things like that. And if you're on this spiritual walk or just a journey of growth and healing, it's probably best you cut those things off or just stay away from them as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's too many youths out there smoking uh, smoking pot and doing drugs, man. Like, I can't really say much because, I mean, I started smoking weed at 15. But, like, there's kids out here, like, smoking meth and, you know, shooting up heroin and all kinds of stuff these days. Yeah, it's really sad. You know, the two major things that are making our children, you know, get, dabble into drugs essentially is, is two key things and that's accessibility and boredom. Yeah. Yes. It's, but it's sad. It's a really big problem from our, from our, one of our hometowns. Cause you know, we're from two separate places, but also one same place. And, uh, you know, you see 14 year olds strung out all the time in that area. And it's just, it's absolutely horrid seeing teenagers go gray. It's um, it's it's definitely a very 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 big issue and a topic that we wanted to discuss in a positive manner. And it's like we said, you know, this generation and and the older generation, I should say, we are the ones that are going to inspire change amongst our children. So absolutely, you, know, you guys, believe it or not, even if it's just one person, can start a snowball effect in these children getting off the streets and getting away from drugs. Yeah, I mean, like, mo all drugs typically give you a, uh, a dopamine boost, um, which can cause you to feel super down and depressed after long terms of use. 
on top of that other other drugs like stimulants um which if you don't know what that is like mdma adderall uh, methamphetamines those kinds of things uh it's a very high serotonin release which in turn again can cause you to go into a very superior severe depression after use one you said that yeah and did you know that you're you could come from a line of people that are just they don't have an addictive personality right but if you're not in the right mental state you are more likely to become addicted to a substance than any other time oh yeah no that's absolutely right that is absolutely right the whole reason that i became a poly addict was depression yeah. me being a very upset individual uh and not being in the right mindset when i dabbled with marijuana led to other things and they also say, um, amongst the military, I, I can't speak on civilian side, but we get you know um, classes on this a lot, but um, the number one reason why people go and actually commit suicide amongst adults is because of alcohol or drugs in their system when they make the decision to go through with it. I mean, you can look at the celebrities, Juice World, mm -hmm. uh, oxycodone overdose, Mac Miller, uh, fentanyl and alcohol combined overdose. You know, and the list goes on with, uh, with with celebrities. I mean, you see it all the time. And the Mac Miller thing and the fentanyl leads me to a whole nother like point here. These quote unquote designer drugs that are in the streets that these kids love being the fake Xanax bars, the fake oxycodones, the fake Klonopins, ecstasy. Like these designer drugs are very, very, very fucking dangerous. Yeah, the synthetics, yeah. Like, you think that you're going to pop it and have, like, such a fucking great time, but, like, 99% of that shit is shipped from China or sent over the border from Mexico, and they're not real, real medication. Yeah. It's, it's mostly just a very large amount of fentanyl. And a fun fact about fentanyl is that it is a horse painkiller. They only prescribe it to those who are quite literally in hospice and on their deathbed to ease pain while they go. So if you think about that, you know... It only takes a microgram to overdose. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what a microgram is, it's a one thousandth of a gram. Like yeah. it is, oh, not not a gram, a one thousandth of a milligram. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. It's and, a very small amount. And one one touch can have you hooked for the rest of your life of and fentanyl. It's, it's not a death. I mean, you know, when you play with drugs, even if it's the very first time, you have a 50-50 chance always, and that's to live or to die. And I'm not saying this as a hypocrite because again, I have dabbled, I have done my dirt, but when I overdosed and came that close to death, that really, really changed my entire perspective on drugs and just on that whole partying lifestyle in general. And I don't want anyone else to get to that point and, and, and not get as lucky as I fucking did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to talk about my, uh, my wake-up call, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. So my wake-up call to quit the quote-unquote designer drugs, um, I was 22 years old, and me and some buddies, I'm not going to throw any names out there, um, we were popping uh, Xanax bars. Again, we do not condone. We do not condone, but we were, we were doing Xanax quite frequently. And uh, one morning, uh, me and all the boys woke up, except for another one of our friends. And uh, he was so incognite that we couldn't wake him up. He had pissed all over himself, and we thought he was gone. Like his pulse was so faint that we thought he, we thought he was dead. And so, like seeing that and seeing what the substance that we were abusing was doing to him, it scared the living shit out of me. And from that day, I'd, I've never messed with anything other than. Well, practically marijuana since and even then you know almost two years 
uh, almost two years of, you know, consistent use, gone. Like, I'm good. Um, but I did, however, for those of you who might have an addiction um, to a substance or something else. I know shopping is a huge addiction on people these days, too. Uh, especially now that online shopping is a thing. Um, so I, I, I was doing some research and I found 10 tips to uh, help you guys, you know, maybe um, get off and do better with your life. So I think what we're going to do is I'll read the first one and then I'll hand it over to Leilani and we'll go back and forth if that's okay with you. Sounds good. Are we going to talk in depth a little bit? Or... Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So uh, number one, attend a medical detox program. Hmm. And if you ain't got the money for it. Just know that there's other ways, so don't get discouraged yet. AA meetings and DAA meetings, drugs, alcohol, are free. Yes. Those those resources yes. are free. And finding a good, solid sponsor who has been through it themselves can do wonders for you. Like you it can make friends. Too. Yeah. People who you can look up to because they were once in your shoes and now they're living a way better life. Number two, exercise regularly. Absolutely, that's what got me through my marijuana addiction. What's that song, Pump? Yeah. Whatever by uh... Pump it by uh, Electric Cowboy. <laughs> Not sponsored. Not sponsored. <laughs> but listen to the song though when you go to the gym. Some crazy ass German metal band with EDM <laughs> and hip hop. It's fucking wild, but it's a great time. Oh yeah. Uh, number three, eat a balanced and nutritious meal. Diet can play a big role in healing both mind and body. Eating meals that are rich in proteins and essential vitamins and nutrients are essential for restoring a healthy brain and body function. You guys don't understand that you have to eat right and not just hit fast food all the time. We're guilty of it because we travel a lot. We're always on the fucking move on the road. But um, yeah, even even regular like fast food can be addictive. Mm -hmm. All right, so... I know y'all are adults, and I shouldn't have to say this, but drink some fucking water, okay? That's number four. Stay hydrated. Yeah, um, the description for number four. Dehydration is a common during withdrawal. It is important to drink enough water to allow the body to heal properly. And it is also very common for um, an, an addict who is in recovery to feel as if uh, water, or to confuse water, like thirst and hunger, with a withdrawal symptom. Like your body is fiending for something, but it doesn't know what it's fiending for. And it's fiending for water, but instead you think it's the drug. Right. Um, number five, stick to a structured sleep schedule. Getting the proper amount of sleep is vital to healing and emotional health. When a person is well rested, they are better able to think clearly and control mood swings and drug cravings. That is a very hard one though, but yes. Yeah. Because sometimes the cold sweats and the shaking and the aches and stuff can keep you up. But to the best of your ability, you know, Absolutely. you're going to have to power through it. If you really want to get past it, Absolutely. try to get yourself on a schedule. Yeah. Um, number six. six, right? Yep. Join a support group. So it's like we were saying, the yeah. AA meetings or the DAA meetings. Or you can even come to our group on Facebook, the Not So Sad Podcast and support group. We're yes. here to support everybody, and it also has, um, you know, a post anonymous button. So you don't even have to have your name to the uh, to the post. You can completely ask anonymously and um, just ask for seek, ask and seek help. And you know, there's a lot of people in the group that I know a lot of them in there that definitely have experiences of their own. Yeah, and, and we can definitely try to appoint you, you know, some kind of an accountability partner through your journey as well. If it is absolutely with drugs. because I mean I know. My husband here would not mind being somebody's accountability. No, partner. no, not at all. And everything that would be said is completely confidential. 
Uh, we're on eight. Seven. Seven. Complement more traditional medical detox strategies with holistic methods. Yes. Chiropractic care, massage therapy, acupuncture, and other alternative medicine options have shown promise in helping manage withdrawal symptoms and craving during detox. Let me tell you something. If peppermint oil can really help with nausea while you're pregnant, right? Especially if you have something called hypermissive gravidarium, which is basically you're throwing up and nauseous all the time. Then that means it could probably 999,000% help you doing withdrawals. Like there, you don't always have to do like what is it called kratom as a you know a, a what is it like a substance yeah kratom is actually something that we shouldn't even like throw out there as something to wean you off because kratom is also itself very fucking addictive because it reacts on your opioid receptors in the brain yes i was just saying like, yeah as an alternative like don't touch those things try to do more holistic things like even meditation and yoga can go a long way if you really put your mind into it and that intention into it even like exercise like we said before yeah we don't condone kratom at all no all right number eight stretch often and consider yoga and or mindfulness meditation so what i just said yeah meditate y'all yeah um number nine communicate with a family member loved one therapist or counselor regularly very regularly this is very important is to build a support group within your family and i understand for a lot of people Again, with the whole podcast thing, and not everybody has a solid family in their corner or a solid support group. If your family is the reason you're on drugs, you might have to cut those ties. And I know that's painful, but it is okay to tell somebody you're bad for my mental health, even if they're blood. Or if you've possibly burned a couple bridges that you know, you're know you regretting later on down the road and your family's not willing to be there for you because, for example, oh, you've done this before, but you went back to it and you screwed us over, that's okay. We'll get screwed as many times as we need to on Facebook, okay? We're here for you. So please come to us. Yeah, talking is a form of therapy and it's in and of itself and it can be helpful to externalize thoughts, emotions, difficulties in order to avoid bottling them up and making them worse. Yes, talk. And number 10. Last but not least, participate in relaxation techniques. Learning how to slow down thoughts and regulate breathing can help to reduce anxiety and other negative emotions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, another topic that I want to discuss in, inside of this is um, it kind of goes along with the Kratom thing. You guys don't really understand that a lot of these quote-unquote fix-all, do-all, I mean even Suboxone clinics, because Suboxone reacts on the same receptors and gives that person that fix. But at the same time, it's an addictive substance on its own because you're still getting that feeling in your brain. Your brain still craves it because it's supplying the, the, the dopamine or serotonin, whichever one it is, it's supplying it, but it's not giving you the high. And so since it's still supplying it, you're still fucking dependent and you are more likely to relapse if you use those kinds of substances rather than just quitting cold turkey. It's one of those things that it, I hate to keep bringing this up, okay, but it's the best way that I can relate it as a mother. It's like going through childbirth. You literally have no choice. It yeah. sucks, it hurts, but you have to go through it, yeah. right? Because it, there's no way to stop it. So 
these these withdrawals and things like that you're gonna have to go through it to get to the other side using alternatives isn't going to do it you have to just go through it it's gonna suck it's gonna hurt you're gonna feel alone you're gonna cry you're gonna want to go backwards but I promise you one from our experiences but from seeing family members that have come out of it for months years whatever that was my next are, topic yeah, yeah they are much better without it yeah yeah, another story um, that I kind of lived through. Uh, I wasn't the uh, the um, addict in this situation here. Um, there was a, a guy that I knew, and um, his or that I know, and his mom and uh, stepdad had become very fucking dependent on methamphetamines. And uh, it turns out that I ended up having to let this guy live with me for um, quite a while. Uh, not throwing names out again, uh, quite a while. And then with his grandma and. It was just so crazy to me because when you when I first met him and his parents, it was like, yo, these people are nice people. They drive nice cars. They have nice things. They have a nice house. They're they're awesome people, and they slipped up one time, guys. They slipped up, they slipped up one time with methamphetamines, and it quite literally broke that family for four to five fucking years. Four to five fucking years. I watched one of my good friends um, struggle with parent parental issues and even nowadays with him being older it's like you still see the i don't trust people you still see all all of those things because it traumatized him it traumatized him and his siblings and it, it just takes that one fucking that one fucking inhale or that one fucking needle poke guys and next thing you know you're down the fucking rabbit hole literally and you know it's we're not trying to sit here and just make it look like it's you know one thing or the other anything like that like there are so many things that come from doing drugs like it's not just death or ruining family your brain will permanently be damaged yep you know your vision can permanently be damaged your skin can permanently be damaged i mean it it's just the entire you will crumble from the inside out all because you wanted to go and party one time it's crazy that you bring that up because my psychiatrist actually thinks that my schizophrenia may have evolved from uh, drug use at a young age. Actually, I was reading up on stuff about schizophrenia and I kind of rolled into that same topic yeah. and they said that if you had it as a child, right, or just hereditary, right, mm -hmm. and you may not have had major signs or anything like that and you started doing drugs, it can cause your schizophrenia to basically just skyrocket. Like it just is way worse and way yeah. harder and way bigger than what it would have been or could have been. So, you know, like we said, you know, having any kind of mental, I mean, hell, we could even just say if you're the absolute perfect person that doesn't have any mental issues and your life is just perfect, okay, whatever. Whether you're perfect or not, which we're all not, you doing drugs can make everything 10 times worse. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Another topic that I want to discuss in this episode, alcohol. Fucking alcohol. Now, mind you, me and Leilani are sober now. Yeah. On November 28th, I went sober. Yep. For me, it was December 2nd yeah. or somewhere around there, around mm -hmm. that time. And because um, alcohol is a fickle bitch. And this, yeah. this is just my opinion, but I would rather have a pothead driving than an alcoholic. I mean, they both, I like they, either, no, neither, but like, fuck, man, alcohol has led to so many problems in my life, in my marriage, and times before my marriage, even, I've been put in situations to drive intoxicated, um, I used to be a bartender and a DJ at a, uh, at a local bar, 
and that just seeing the amount of people who do get in car wrecks or the amount of fights that break out like alcohol is such an unpredictive substance yeah. you never know if you're gonna have a good time or a horror story with alcohol so let's spit some statistics real quick so it's actually okay if you have a, up to two glasses of alcohol not liquor one time nope any any, any? alcohol okay one time a week okay now one bottle of beer that is one alcoholic drink one shot of liquor is one alcoholic drink one i think it's like three or one third of a quarter of wine in a, in a glass that yeah. is considered one glass of liquor or not liquor but alcohol wine. okay yeah. wine all those count as one drink so you have two shots or two beers or two little glasses of wine right that's your two shot or your two drinks for the week if you go over that you are actually more likely to become dependent on alcohol now i'm not saying that if you don't go over that and you're doing it the right way that you can't become dependent no i'm not saying that at all because your your mental state um inside and outside stressors all that can play a role in you becoming dependent on things but they do say that you are more likely to become dependent if you are drinking more than that allotted amount absolutely because yeah. i'm not gonna tell you i don't drink i mean you're you're a grown adult you know what i mean yeah i don't drink and the only reason why is because it was causing so much friction in our marriage it fucked with me mentally and I just knew that it was no longer my thing. But if you're going to drink, please be responsible. Don't yeah. drink and drive. Yeah, you have no excuse to drive drunk. Uber, Lyft, we taxis. So there's so things. many. There's so many resources nowadays that our parents didn't have. Yeah. That it makes drinking and driving so much more preventable. You know how hard is it to pay an Uber driver eight dollars if you've already spent over a hundred on alcohol in the night? Exactly. Like, just be smart. You know what I mean? Like, instead of buying that last extra drink with your last eight dollars, maybe be like, "Yo, bro, I should probably call an Uber." Yeah, you maybe I, I mean? shouldn't drive home because yeah, there's a lot of horror stories out there for drinking and driving, guys. A lot of death. I know. I personally know friends who have been involved in drunk driving car accidents where they weren't even the one who was drunk, and have gotten severely injured. Um, one broken ankle, one broke a femur. Like, it is a very severe problem. Yes, and it's it's 2023, man. Like, you would think that a lot of these things would be kind of over with, with how much we've seen all these horror stories, but obviously we're not. And obviously we have to sit here and explain these things to you. Don't do drugs. Don't drink and drive. If you're going to drink, drink responsibly. If you're going to smoke you know, pot, smoke responsibly. Yeah, if you're going to take any prescription medications, take them responsibly and as your doctor prescribes it. Like, these are not rocket science things. If you're going through something mentally, like a breakup or whatever, you probably shouldn't drink. I'm just saying. I'm glad you brought up the doctors and the, and the prescription medication. Another thing that is very important is if you're prescribed a medication, you use it properly. But not only that, if you, do, if you use the substance that is prescribed to you, you really, really, really need to report any offset feeling to your doctor. You really need to report any kind of negative side effect to your doctor because those can also build dependencies. Yes. Um, I was actually prescribed a uh, anxiety medication, an as-needed anxiety medication, along with my schizophrenic and bipolar medications. And um, it was a non-benzodiazepine, which means it's not like Xanax, it's not like Klonopin, because I, I was upfront with my psychiatrist and like, yo, I can't take these because I was once addicted to them. Um, Again, take accountability for your fucking actions. Um, but he prescribed me this anxiety medication, and it said take one to two capsules a day as needed. Well, I only took half. I took half of one of these uh, anxiety meds, 
And when I tell you I was dead to the fucking world for hours. He missed New Year's. I missed, yeah, I missed, I missed the ball drop on New Year's Day. I fell asleep before 5 p.m. And I did not wake up until 9 a.m. Except for apparently one point at like 1.30 in the fucking morning. I was looking for baby formula and I had realized that it was in the car. And the only reason I know is because Leilani had told me. And I called my mom, I called both of my moms, my adoptive and my biological mother. And I don't remember calling either one of them. And my, my biological mom said that while I was on the phone with her looking for this baby formula, knowing that it was in the car, I made five trips to the van just to get this formula. I went out twice without the keys, couldn't get in. I went out once and I grabbed another bag that wasn't the formula. It was a fucking t-shirt. Yeah, and you yelled at me in the process. Yeah, I yelled at my wife in the process. Like, I was... I was so fucking delusional, and a lot of it, I feel like, was how tired I was, because we had just made the drive home from Minnesota. Yeah. But, yeah, guys, if you have any kind of side effects like that from any medication, you need to tell your doctor immediately and stop taking that medication. I immediately, the next morning, gave them to Leilani. I said, take these. I can't have them near me. Yeah, and I want to make this clear, too, that a side effect is not oh, it's not working, I need to take more. No. Because that's how you get addicted. Okay, say it with me. That's how you get addicted, okay? Take it as it's prescribed, okay? And if anything changes, don't just go pop two of them. No. Go talk to your doctor. Because typically... Because there could be something more severe. Yeah, Sorry. typically nine times out of ten, he's going to take that medication away and give you something else. Yes. But if there's something like crazy going on, they're probably going to look at you like, mm, eh. yeah. just let it, let it work its magic, you know, because, you, okay, if you're going into a medication, like let's say you fuck up your back, right? And you're like, okay, I got to take these lure tabs or whatever, right? Yeah, it's going to give you a little fuzzy feeling. You're going to be like, eh, right? But if it stops giving you that fuzzy feeling, that doesn't mean it's not still working and taking the pain away. I think a lot of the time you just lose sight and you think, oh, it's not working because I don't feel the same as I did the first time. But that's how it is with any drugs, and that's why people chase it. You never get that first high again. So yeah. they want that first high, so they, they chase it. They do more and more and more and more, and they're, they're like, fuck, I'm still not reaching it. And they do more and more and more, and the next thing you know, you're living on a box. On or skid dead. Row. Or, or dead. dead. On skid row, though. Yeah. Yeah, drug dependency is crazy. And also, like... People are always talking about, oh, you can tell that's druggy out there. First off, kill that fucking stereotype yeah, because me, me being a small guy naturally, people always looked at me like that. Even when I was sober, you know, even now that I'm sober, and it's like, no, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a druggy. I don't, I, I don't, I don't do drugs. But just because I'm small, come on now. Because personally, I've worked at a lot of gas stations in my life, guys. I've worked at truck stops. I've worked at regular gas stations, corner stores. I will tell you right now, from working midnight shifts on these kinds of jobs, there are people who look like they have their whole life absolutely fucking together who are suffering from addiction as well. I was actually one of those. Yeah, there's 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 very private people who, who you wouldn't even be able to look at and tell, like, oh shit, like this person's on fucking drugs. Yeah, like when me and you first started hanging out again, that was one of the reasons why you said you liked me is because I had my shit together, I had no kids, I had my life absolutely, together. Absolutely, yeah. And secretly, you know, before he knew, I was... I was doing drugs because I was very depressed. Um, I had a suicide attempt and that's what kind of led me down that rabbit hole of just trying to numb all my problems because my sexual assault didn't go the way that I had hoped it would um, in court. And, and you know, you, you really never know. And if you do know somebody that's on drugs, I'm not saying condone the behavior. I'm not saying that at all. Sometimes you got to give the cold shoulder and be like, look, I love you, bro, but I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to catch you on the other side. But that doesn't mean you turn your back on them. No, don't yeah. talk down on them. Don't turn their back on. Turn your back on them because 
believe it or not, they really could be trying this time, but how would you know? Be that support system every time unless it's affecting your mental health directly. Yes, always put yourself first, yes. Always put yourself first, but if you have a little bit of water in your cup to pour into somebody who you care about that is struggling with addiction, if they ask for help, help them. Yeah, if, no, if they're, I'm not if they're thieving, money, No, you know. if, they, if they're a thief and you know they're gonna steal from you for their fix, if they're asking for money, don't do any of that. Mm -mm. But hell, man, if they're fucking saying, hey, I'm hungry, buy them a fucking McChicken, bro. It's a dollar. Yeah, like, you know, just, just be there. Or just talk. Like, believe it or not, before I actually got on drugs, which y'all would probably be like, well, then why the fuck did you do them in the first place? You're right, but leave me the fuck <laughs> alone, all right? I made my mistakes. But I went down in San Antonio, Texas. Um, I was in high school, and I was doing a volunteer project um, for my church. And... Um, long story short, we went to one of those like little food banks and we had a whole bunch of um, like homeless people that would come in and eat. We'd feed them. And I finally sat down with this guy who was the only person sitting by himself. And it was while I was sitting on break and I asked him, I said, you know, why did you become homeless? And he said, well, I got addicted to drugs. And I asked him why he got addicted to drugs. And I'm not going to give him his story because that's his story to tell. Okay. I don't, I don't do that. But his story broke me. It was one of the saddest things, and the fact that that's how he ended his days broke my heart. Like, you have no idea what people go through that lead them down that path. Oh. So try not to judge, because not everybody handles things just like the next, you know? Some people can handle, in my case, a sexual assault by going to court, seeking therapy, going on some healing retreat, coming back, head shaved, you know, because they went to a fucking Buddhist temple, and like, <laughs> they're just all healed, right? But that's not how I handled it. And that's okay. Like, people fuck up. People handle things how they want to. And that's why we're all here, right? We're on this podcast to learn the right ways and the wrong ways to do shit. But don't judge the next because they're not doing it the way you think they should. Because sometimes people, they just do what they what they grew up with. Or they just do what they've seen. They just, they result back to things that are comfortable. Because depression and anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia, any kind of... Um, mental disorder can actually become comfortable yep. and it's very hard to step away from that comfortability not only comfortable but they can become severely amplified as well like you yes. like you were like you said you're right about the schizophrenia man let me tell you my bipolar when i was smoking pot and doing drugs was through the fucking roof and so i'll go on to a story about whenever i was in the um the in the uh, inpatient hospital for my suicide attempt at the time, the only uh, the only drug I was using was marijuana, and but having to quit cold turkey and in the situation I was in, I really noticed the withdrawal symptoms more than anybody else would because I was quite literally locked in a box that didn't even allow me to have a trash can. I had a brown paper sack as my fucking trash can, you know, and I just remember laying in bed and not being able to sleep a because of restless leg syndrome due to Zoloft, a medication that I was prescribed, but because the withdrawals from marijuana had me in sweats. I could only hear the clock that was in my room tick and tick and tick and tick and it was just driving me absolutely insane because my brain had no dopamine to provide me rest. It had no dopamine to provide anything. Also another fun fact for you stoners out there, when's the last time you had a dream you can remember? Seriously, answer the question right now. When is the last time you had a dream that you were able to remember? So whenever you smoke weed, particularly before bed or just consistently. You smoke weed one time, might not happen. Not saying it will, not saying it won't. But if you smoke weed consistently, and if you smoke weed right before bed, your brain 
does not have the dopamine, nor can it produce the dopamine for you to enter REM sleep. And REM sleep is where you dream. It's your deep sleep. It's the sleep that your body really, really fucking needs. It's yeah, the part it's of your sleep, sleep that cycle you that you need. It's the healing cycle. It's your mm-hmm. stomach, your, your, your metabolism. It controls almost everything about you. Mm-hmm. And so since you're not able to reach that REM sleep, you're going to stay stagnant at where you're at. And um, yeah, so I would also like to say that drugs are bad. Very bad. Um, they ruin lives. Yes. But the... Ah, I lost my train of thought. Here we go. Uh-oh. Sorry. It's all you. You're good. Okay, well, drugs are bad. Very bad. I got it back. There we go. Okay, so... Think of it this way. You're not addicted to the substance itself. You're addicted to the release of serotonin and or dopamine. The same chemicals that release when you're overly happy, when you're excited. All of these things. That's what it roots down to. The substance itself is addictive physically. But mentally, any substance can be addictive. Mm -hmm. Any substance. Because your brain is going to continue to trace, like she said, that first high. And that first high was there because of a release of serotonin or a release release of dopamine. Marijuana, magic mushrooms, other psychedelics, pills, meth, heroin, all of these things. They all react on your opioid receptors, on your serotonin receptors serotonin receptors and dopamine receptors sorry this is a hard topic for me to talk about because it's like facing a lot of demons that i that i have overcome since we're doing shadow work still always doing shadow work it's very important to do shadow work guys um but i think we're gonna wrap this episode up here yeah um much love guys we hope you guys enjoyed we hope to see you next week um if you're on youtube what's up and uh, don't forget that we have our link tree posted on, on the uh, podcast. And if you guys need somebody, we do have the link to the Facebook group of the um, support. Yes. Come check it out. Please join us in the group. Even if you don't want to say anything and you just need some daily motivation, that's what we're here for. We want everybody to continue to push forward in their healing journey. Absolutely. Stay strong, guys. You're not alone. Much love.